there's so few things that like universally are applicable to everyone. And sex is like a central truth that none of us would exist without it. And so why is it so hard to talk about? Why is it so stigmatized? You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast with Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Whether you're looking to laugh or looking for advice and inspiration, we're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. So excited to introduce you to Polly Rodriguez. Polly Rodriguez inspires the shit out of me. I got off the phone with her. Lindsay and I got out of recording with her and I felt so moved, so excited about what women are doing. So we are so excited to introduce her to you. And then two, if you are going to be in LA on October 14th from three to seven at Sage Wellness for our sex, love and other things event, Polly is going to be speaking there. So Unbound and Almost 30 will be having the event. So this is just a little tidbit of this bad female that we're going to share with you today. And then you can get a little bit more at our event on October 14th. So Polly is the co-founder and CEO of Unbound Box, which is a really fun place to go to um, explore sex toys and jewelry and lubes and things like that. And there's no stigma. You know what I mean? I think like people envision going shopping for sex toys and they like they think of going down like a dark alley into this like Hollywood hustler store, you know? So highway. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So they they started because they wanted to change how women felt about these types of products and help them really enjoy their sex life. Um, so we talked to Bali about starting that business, which was really difficult p- pitching to mostly male investors. Um, and we also talked to her about struggles she had early on with her health. Um, she was 21 years old and found out she had colon cancer, uh, which thrusted her into early menopause and and really forced her to think about her sexuality and her body in a different way. Um, so we talk all about that. And we also talk about dating. We talk about... We talk about what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. So what was really interesting to me was finding out that the sex industry is largely led by men. So middle-aged, gross dudes telling us what we want with our bodies. And Polly is really here to change that. So she dives deep into what it's like to be a business owner, female, badass CEO in the sex industry, what it's like to talk to investors, everything on the business side, as well as her personal story, which really freaking shook me. So amazing. So we hope you guys enjoy this interview with Polly Rodriguez. Let us know what you think. We're always so open to conversation uh, following our episodes. So join our secret Facebook group and chat with us in there. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. We were just we were just having a conversation before the recording about dating in LA and New York because Polly is based in New York. Mm-hmm. And she's dating in New York and we used to live in New York. So we kind of know the scene or I knew the scene as a single gal and now I'm dating in LA. But yeah. So what has your experience been in New York, Polly, with dating? I mean, there's like my experience in New York and there's my experience like doing Unbound and also being in New York Mm. because like people Google my name or they like, like asked about the company and it's just like a complete downward spiral. Really? (laughs) But, oh my God, yeah, people make so many assumptions about like me and just like my like 
sexuality and like I had a guy wearing a crop on a date once and I was just like what is wait what is he wait what is he wearing a crop like an actual like BDSM crop and (gasps) I was like what I was like what I was like what how did you find out it was like in it was so we were like at dinner and it was like like a like a mini one and it was like it, it was like kind of on the floor next to his chair and I was like I was like, I don't mean to be awkward, but like, what is that? And he's like, oh, you know what it is. And I'm like, yeah, I think I do. But like, that's really, really weird. Why would you bring that? And he was like, I Googled you. I know what you're into. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm getting out of here. I was like, I've got to go. I know what you're oh into. Oh my gosh. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh man. But yeah, New York's it's 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 a lot. I think it's just like a hyper competitive city and I think that that also you see that in the dating world where it's just constantly people trying to assess like, you know, how cool of a job do you have? How I mean, it's not all bad, but yeah. it's 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 competitive. It's a competitive town. Yeah. Um I wanted to talk about Can we introduce her first? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Story of my life. <laughs> I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. Okay. I want to talk about... Oh, oh. so, so introduce yourself. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Kai Rodriguez, uh, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Unfound, which is a sexual wellness company for women. Who's the other founder? Uh, Jackie Churchwell. She, she cold emailed me when I was like... We started a subscription box, mm-hmm. and I was like working out of my apartment literally i have this like little attic space that i'm like taping every shipment doing everything myself and she like reached out to me via cold email as a columbia business school student and was like i really think what you're doing is amazing can i come like intern for you and i was like cr- i cried tears of joy i was mm-hmm. like oh my god yes please i was like but just so you know we're like not a real company i mean like we are like have grown like crazy in the last like two years but when i first started it was it was miserable, but we're now we're like a, a teenager company. We're kind of in our like awkward growing years, but it's it's fun. It's I mean, it's amazing what you've done. Can we talk about how you're a Red Hawk too? Yeah. <laughs> Can we please talk about how we both went to Miami University of Ohio? Yeah, and everyone's like Miami of Ohio. Oh my god, you must have loved those beaches. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't even there. think you know what it was like. What was your experience? So I had a like definitely not traditional experience going to Miami of Ohio. One, because like I didn't do Greek life. Like I was a huge nerd in college. And two, because I got cancer while while I was in, I was a junior living abroad in Spain and like was sick all the time. And so I had to drop out my like second semester junior year and then come back as a fifth year after all my friends had graduated. Mm. So I like made friends with some like really interesting, wonderful people. But I just like definitely did not have the traditional college experience. But I love Miami. Like I love the school. I love, you know, the, the community. Oxford's like a great college town. I love Bagel and Deli. I wish they would open one here in New York. (laughs) Yeah. They probably have better bagels in New York though. Yeah. But like the steamed bagel, like Uh, I don't understand why that doesn't. They would steam it. Yeah. Remember Cookie Monster bagel? Oh my God. What kind of name is that? You want to hear what it was like, guys? It was a blueberry bagel that was steamed with cream cheese in the middle and a cookie in the middle. (laughs) It was so good. what? What is that? Like it's a crime. Yeah. It should be illegal. Honestly, should be illegal. 
they would just make magic. Like they would just, they, I remember they would give you a bagel and they, you could get a Lucy, which is just like a, a single cigarette. They're just like stick it in the middle oh, of the bagel. Oh yes. A cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I hope no one's doing cigarettes anymore. Um, Smoking do you know, when mm-hmm. I was there the first year, you could smoke in the bars. Oh, and yeah. I remember I would wake up and I'd like have my like straightener and I'd be like getting ready to go to class, putting on my <sighs> bugs, whatever. Fuck. And I'd straighten my hair and it'd just be like a billow of cigarette smoke would come out because you could just smoke in the bars until you just would reek of cigarettes the next oh. day. It was so gross. I was in Nashville a few weeks ago and I smelled like cigarettes for like the next three days. Yeah, you could smoke crazy. in the bars. I hate, I was like, my pores just absorbed all this smoke. Yeah. I hate it. Um, why didn't you do decide to do Greek life? Last question about Miami of Ohio. Oh, I got I got blacklisted. Why? Oh, why? So, okay, so this is what we're talking about. This is why we're here today. <laughs> so you know, so you get to like one day during rush where you do a craft for of the for the philanthropy of the charity, hmm. and I got to I can't remember which sorority it was, but they sent a blind kid to space camp and like they like their whole thing was about like blind kids this is really terrible keep in mind i'm like from st louis i went to school in miami ohio i did not know anyone i'm like nervous nervous as can be and i'm sitting there and we're making these towel puppets and i'm not artistic and i like made a joke that was like oh i guess it doesn't matter that this looks really terrible because they're not gonna be able to see it anyways and i got blacklisted for that oh damn wait why were they i'm just kidding why the puppets towel puppets it was just it was basically making towels into like animal shapes for children i don't know it was weird craft to be fair we should we should just take all this money that we're doing for sororities and just give it to the charities yeah you know what i mean like just cut the bullshit let's just give the money straight to charities Mm. yeah i think there's enough of a nest egg that you could probably do that yeah yeah, there's a lot of money in Miami. 100%. But what about you? Were you <laughs> in a sorority? Yeah, I was a DG. I was a Anchors oh. Away. Delta Gamma. Oh my God. Hot damn yeah. Delta Gam. I think my sister was too. Yeah, now I was a DG. I, I, like, I liked it. We probably have a million mutual friends. Oh, 100%. What year, what, what year did you graduate? 2010. We were same same graduates. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you would know like Margaret Hamilton, mm-hmm. Kirsten Snell. Alyssa, mm-hmm. what is Alyssa's last name? Anyways, all, those are awesome. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was just with her like two weekends ago at a wedding. That's so yep. funny. Such, such Small babes. World. Wait, talk to us about, I mean, what it was like to get cancer mm-hmm. when you were Oh, man. States, yeah. And what type of cancer and how it was It was terrifying. So I first started seeing symptoms. I had colorectal cancer. So like, you don't get to pick which one you get. I like, you know literally got the most uh I don't say embarrassing but kind of like least sexy kind of cancer one could get and there'd be blood when I went to the bathroom and I was like really embarrassed about it and I didn't want to talk to anyone about it and so I would like I saw I went to a doctor and she was like oh it's it's probably nothing maybe it's like IBS maybe it's Crohn's disease and I just gradually got worse and worse and then when I was living abroad in Spain like Miami didn't have outside of Luxembourg like any really study abroad program. So I just enrolled in like the local university in Madrid and was in like way over my head, like was in like upper level economics courses in Spanish. And it was miserable. And like the classes were so hard and I didn't know what I was doing. And then coupled that with like being super sick. And I like, it got, it just got really bad. Like I was lightheaded all the time. Like I felt like I always had to go to the bathroom. It was so embarrassing. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I go to like the local 
hospital here? Like, do I go to the ER? I mean, the answer is yes, I should have just gone and, and did that, but it, it didn't. And so I remember my mom came and visited me and she was like, you look awful. Um, and I was like, thanks. Thanks, mom. But it's part for the course like, for a lot of moms. Yeah, so I'd be like, right, yeah, I right. know. Thanks. <laughs> so, so yeah, basically I ended up having to, like, I, I came home and I got like a colonoscopy, I think like three days after I got home and it was like three days before Christmas and the, I remember there's the doctor, like, he was like, Oh, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure you're fine. And then like, I woke up and he's like standing over me and he's crying. And I'm like, Oh God, this the doctor is. Yeah. Cause he felt so bad. Cause I, I knew something was really wrong and I went in to see him and I was like, I think I have cancer. Like, I think something's really, really wrong. And he's like, there's no way the odds of someone that like is your age and is in shape and like eats healthy, the, the odds of you having colon cancer are less than one it's like a, it's like a one in literally, he said a million chance that like that, that that would be it. And then when, when I woke up, he was crying and he's like, what I'm really sorry. It's, it's cancer and it's really bad. Um, so. Oh my God. So yeah. What, so did you, what was your treatment? Yeah. So then what? So then I basically had to drop out of school cause they, I, they, they wanted to start radiation and chemotherapy like immediately it had spread to like all, all my lymph nodes that were like, that's kind of like the highways and byways of like yeah. your internal system. And so like, it's really bad if it's spread to the lymph nodes because then it could have metastasized elsewhere and they just haven't like caught it yet. So it was like radiation, chemotherapy and surgery. And then I had to have, oh my God, it was, I don't know if it's like TMI, but I had to have what's called an ileostomy bag, which was like by far the worst part because the surgery was so severe, they had like paralyzed me from the chest down. This is like really what? like wow. Debbie, Debbie Downer talk. Um, but no, this is yeah. real. So yeah, I was like in the hospital for a, for a long time and had effectively a poo bag, which was just like, so it's such a humbling experience to just go through something like that at that age. And, and I got, and like lost, I got down to like 87 pounds at one point. Cause I just could not eat. And I like always say that cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause it taught me like what real love is. Like my, I had a terrible, not terrible, but I had a not great relationship with my parents growing up in the sense that I got in a lot of trouble and acted out a lot. And like moving back in with my parents at 21 and being like physically dependent on them, just really changed the way I see the world. But coming out of that, I like the radiation treatment catapulted me into menopause at the age of 21. And I just remember like being on the internet and like looking for answers and trying to figure out what that meant. And like ending up on these like really trashy websites and feeling like, why, why is there not good information out there that like is relatable for young women when it comes to their sexuality? And like, why aren't my doctors talking to me about this? Like, why do I feel embarrassed about this? And that was that was a big reason why I ended up starting Unbound was because I just felt like it was silly that you had to like go to some trashy store on the side of the highway to buy a vibrator and to like try to like be an informed consumer and know what you were looking for and not feel stupid about it because I felt stupid about it going through menopause and feeling like I like needed to be given permission to buy a vibrator or lubricant or whatever it was. What is it? Can you explain? So what does it mean when your body's in menopause? Well, it basically, I mean, the shortest way to say is you just effectively stop menstruating. For me, it was like radiation 
your, my like ovaries were kind of like in the line of fire. And so radiation effectively is like putting your organs in a microwave. It just kills the beams, kill everything that they touch. And so my ovaries have just stopped like functioning. Like they were just like, you're not going to have functioning organs like anymore. So it sucks. Cause like you get like all these like hot, flash. I'm like, a, you know, I was, I mean, this 21 year old with this poo, poo bag and I'm like getting hot flashes. And it was just like, the worst. And it's, and it's weird because I feel like we don't really talk about menopause much. And it's interesting because women will, you know, have early onset menopause somewhat frequently. Like some women, it'll happen in like your late forties, fifties, more commonly like late fifties, early sixties, but it's a pretty big like life event in terms of just your hormones changing, your body changing, all of that, you know. I think there's a bit of shame around it just because you know, we're such an ageist culture. So, you know, we favor the young, we favor being young. So I feel like there's a bit of shame when women don't want to admit that they're reaching menopause because it makes them feel older. Or it could be, there could be like a judgment around it. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's also like people assume, well, one of the side effects is it affects your sex drive. It affects your libido. I personally believe that a lot of that is like men is like your mentality. And like, for me, like I'm so very much a sexual person, but I think women feel, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a hard, it, it can feel like a hard life event because it is stigmatized. I think where it's like, Oh my God, I'm getting old. And like, I'm not, you know, desirable. I'm not sexual. I'm not any of these things. And I don't know. I think that's a little silly. I think people have to define their sexuality for like what it means to you individually. And then like, go, go, you know, like one of my good friends who's a sex educator always compares it to like the gym and like working out. It's like, sometimes you don't want to go, but like you never like, you know, walk out of the gym and are like, Oh, that was terrible. Like you usually almost always feel good afterwards. And so I think thinking about your sexuality similarly can be helpful where it's like, you have to remember to invest in it. Mm. How did you stay hopeful? I mean, like during that time, so young, I don't think like, I know at 21, I didn't have the perspective perspective on life or like kind of seeing the like far future and knowing that there was going to be something better? Like, did you have like relationships that you leaned on? Like what was keeping you like going? Yeah. I had an amazing boyfriend at the time who is still one of my like really, really good friends. And he was just absolutely incredible. Like spent so much time with my family, with me, and my family was just, my parents were saints. Like I was such a difficult person to be around because I was just so angry at the world. I was just, you know, like mad because it was kind of like, I was supposed to have this like great, like all my friends are like graduating from college and like moving to new cities and like having great jobs. And like, I just felt so envious and left behind. And it was really hard not to get angry. I started writing a lot, actually. That helped me a lot. Journaling and having like, it's really hard to have perspective. And it's to your, to your comment, like it's really hard to see the forest from the trees. And I think for me being able to like write down how I was feeling and then go back and read entries and things that I'd written, you know, months prior where I was like, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never like, this is the worst. And you realize like you will get through it. And you just have to take it. My mom would always say just like one day at a time. We just have to take it one day at a time because mm. it's, it is hard. What, what I got a dog. That was like a really big, important thing. 
because it gave me a sense of like responsibility and something to do because when you're that sick, you just literally lay on the couch all day and you feel, I felt just like so worthless. And so having a dog was really helpful because one, it was companionship, but then two, it was like, well, I have to get up and I have to take care of Winston. I have to like, you know, take Winston outside. I have to take him for a walk. And so that was really helpful too. Do you remember when you, so are you, you're cancer free now? Yeah, I'm healthy now. Do you remember the day when you found out you were cancer free? Well, well, it didn't really work that way because I had surgery where they open you up and they cut out the cancer. And then they just basically are like, okay, like we have to hope that like, they gave me a 30% chance of survival. And then they gave me an 80% chance that the cancer would come back. So there was only like a 20% chance that the cancer was like gone. And so it's basically just kind of this waiting game where once you hit the five-year marker, like it's been when it's been five years since you've had cancer, you're basically in the clear. So I did get a tattoo when, when, it, when I hit the five-year marker. That is the tally marker symbol for five. Like in Spain, they keep tally markers as like a box with a diagonal in the middle of it, as opposed to like five, as opposed to four lines in a diagonal, how we do here, which I always thought was artistic and interesting. And so because I got sick when I was in Spain, I kind of reclaimed that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, but that's my tattoo. That's a tattoo I, I got that. when a I tattoo that makes marker. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So bring us back to when you were, before you started Unbound Box, you were working at a startup. Is that right? Yeah. I had a weird kind of career path. I, when I got, when I got cancer, I lost healthcare insurance and I, it almost like financially ruined my family. And that experience made me really want to go work on Capitol Hill. And I was just like, I've always been very politically active, but seeing that like healthcare was a, like, it just blew my mind that like my family, my whole life has paid for health insurance. And then the moment I needed it, I lost it. So they dropped you? So this was before the Affordable Care Act had passed and you could only be insured under your parents if you were enrolled as a full-time student. Well, I had to de-enroll because I had to move back home because I had to have like surgery and chemo and radiation. And then there's no way I was going to be able to like be a full-time student. And by de-enrolling from college, I lost healthcare coverage. So yeah, it was crazy. So I, so I worked for Senator Claire McCaskill briefly. I loved her. I loved working in DC, but I was just like very quickly disillusioned by the way Capitol Hill works um, in, the, in the bureaucracy. And so then I went to strategy consulting, loved it, um, moved to Manhattan, like fell in love with the city and then d- decided I didn't want to go to, bi- like when consulting, you kind of have to choose, do you want to go to business school or do you want to do something else? And I decided I want to do something else. And so I joined a dating startup, which was crazy. What's that like? And I learned a lot. It's called Grouper. It like oh, I've heard yeah. yeah. Oh, you have. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't. I was like set up to go on a Grouper. Like I had a friend pull me in, and I didn't. I don't <laughs> think it ended up happening. <laughs> did you go? Like, did you go on one? No, I didn't. But I had a bunch of friends who would. A bunch of friends who would all the time, actually. Yeah, it was cool. It was a cool concept. It was like really good for I think young twenty somethings when mm-hmm. you first move to a city and you like don't really want to like go on a one-on-one date. And this was before, so Grouper ultimately ended up failing as most startups do, especially dating startups are just, it's hard. Like they're, they're, they're so like fad oriented where they're like, like they're a thing and then they're not. And so, yeah, it was, it was good. But then like Tinder and Hinge and a couple of these others popped up and people just wanted to swipe. And our whole thing was like, 
you don't know the other group. You just, we like would match you and then you just like kind of show up. And it was kind of like magical in that way. Cause you like, would go into it kind of like expecting the worst, at least I would. And then, <laughs> and then usually you're, you're pleasantly surprised by like the group that like people really loved it. So it was cool, but then consumer like tastes and expectations changed. So, and the, the company was weird culturally. There were like some weird stuff, but it, yeah. So then leaving that, I was like, there needs to be like a badass company that like, I, and I was just like, I don't know. I, I didn't leave that company on the best note, just didn't quite see eye to eye with the founder. And so I was just like, what's the craziest startup I could go create? And I was like, you know, nobody's really making a really good online shopping experience, like vibrators and lubricant. So like, well, let's do that. I love that. And where did you, I want to talk about, you know, starting the business, but where did you like growing up? What were, how did you become so free sexually? Oh God. I don't know that I am. I mean, I, it like, I definitely, it's funny because people will find out about like what I do and they'll all of a sudden think that I like, am this like super like 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 whether it's like BDSM or and and I do know more than probably the average person but to me it was just kind of like this doesn't make sense like sex is one of there's so few things that like universally are applicable to everyone and sex is like a central truth that none of us would exist without it and so why is it so hard to talk about why is it so stigmatized and for me it was just kind of like like seeing a market opportunity really of like why is there not like a really good brand that is doing this in a way for women that like feels like a health or a beauty brand? And I think it's largely because of the stigmas associated with the industry. And I was like, well, I don't really care so much about that. Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't, people are going to think what people are going to think. And I don't really care. I don't, people like all your, my mom was like, so worried. She's like, your reputation is going to be like totally destroyed. And I was just like, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I was like, I think the world's ready for like, sex to be something that we can talk about more openly. 100%. Damn, that says something, you know, for, because I'm sure my mom would say the same, you know, coming from St. Louis, you were St. Louis, I'm in Cincinnati. Like, yeah, your reputation is going to be tarnished. It's like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, what do you mean when you say that? Like, In whose eyes? In whose eyes? Am I going to be assumed to be a slut because I'm you know, aware and like about sex or, so what do you think it, the, are the stigmas are in the sex industry or what do you think, you know, has kept this idea from coming along sooner? Well, there's two big things. One is like talent. So I remember I went to my first industry trade show and I like wear my business casual. I'm like ready to rock. Like I walk <laughs> in and it's in Miami and it's in this hotel and it is just like all these like middle-aged white men. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like there are no, where are the women in this industry? And it was like the trade show was, I remember I got my like agenda and it started at nine and it went until 6 PM at night. And there were 30 minute meetings in hotel rooms with these people. And I'm like, I have to meet these guys one-on-one in their hotel room. This is so sketchy and weird. And it was, it was because they didn't want the companies to have their inventory or their products out in the hotel where people could see them. And so you had to meet with these guys one-on-one in their hotel rooms and everything about it was just like, so, but it's a sex, it's like a convention for that. I don't understand why yeah. they wouldn't put it out there. 
Because, well, I, it's also like when you look at the products, like they're all so phallic. They're all like, okay. like the thing that always surprised me about just like the mechanics is that biologically speaking, the majority of women need clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. There's no reason the products need to be like phallic or like big and like, like it's just, mm. to me, it was reflective of like, what would a dude think that a woman would want? Like some huge, like, you know, like, and, and it was just funny. Cause it's like, it's, if you look at some of the female owned companies that have like popped up, like Dame products or chalk rubs or any of these like amazing companies that are so design centric, the products don't look that way at all. And so I think getting women into the industry was step one. And then step two that we're like working on now is just access to capital. So there's so many, it took us to, it took me two and a half years to finally close our seed round because there's so many institutional barriers, like venture capital firms just like do not want to invest in a company that's affiliated with sex. And so if you can't get venture funding, it's really hard to scale your business. And most of these companies are like family owned and operated, literal mom and pop shops that have been around for like generations. Damn. So, so it's, you, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, the industry is fascinating. I never, ever thought about it. Like yeah, that, the fact same. that it's run by men and all of these, even vibrators looking are, that are super phallic. It's like, there's no need for a vibrator to look like a dick. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I never occurred to me, but that's so interesting. So you wanted to start the company, you have the idea and then what? Like, and then what did you start doing? Well, so basically Unbound was a subscription box company to start and created by you and a, a, another. So there was this amazing woman, Sarah Jane mm -hmm. and another amazing guy named Dave. And the three of us were doing it and it was subscription box only. And it was the reason it started as a subscription box was mainly because of the business model. So I didn't have like any money, right? Like I was like, I remember I'd saved up like $5,000 and I was like, this will get me through. Like, yeah. This and you're like, be... I'm good for a year. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, I'll be fine. I'm great. Burn through that really, really quickly. Obviously. And, but the thing that was great about the subscription box is that I could, you know, get people to sign up. I could charge their cards. I could go out and buy the inventory. I'd pack up all the boxes and then I'd ship them out. And then I would do that once every three months, but it was really hard to scale the business. And so, so briefly, Dave and Sarah Jane with startups, they all have these like crazy life cycles and, and Dave and Sarah Jane were like, we can't keep doing this. Like it's, it's crazy. It's, it's too much. And so then it was just me for a while. And I was like, what am I doing? And my mom's like, please just shut this company down. Like, this is not going to take off. It's not going to happen. That was when Jackie reached out to me and I was, she like came on and she was good at all like the operational things. I'm very much more like marketing and, and design oriented. And so focused on that. And we were able to like really scale the business, um, do a small friends and family round, which was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Like asking say. friends, asking friends and family for money, especially as a woman is terrifying. Like it's uh. way, I don't know. I remember I had, and I don't come, I come from like a very middle class background family. Right. And I remember one of my best friends, one of my best guy friends from high school was like, I'll, I'll support you. I'll give you a check. And I was like, Ryan, what? No, you can't give me a check. Like, stop. And he's like, no, really? He's like, I will sell my Jeep and I will take the money from that and I will put it into your company. What? 
And yeah, and I remember just thinking like, oh my God, like he's really, he's really serious. He wants to do this. And like, it was just that check meant more to me than like almost any other check because it was just like somebody being like, he's like, Polly, you're like the smartest, most hardworking of all of our friends. Like you're, it's obvious this business is going to be a billion dollar company no matter what. And I was just like, wow, like I don't feel that way about myself, but like hearing somebody else say that about you, you're kind of like, Mm. okay. I was like, and now it's like, my sole goal in life to like make Ryan a millionaire because it's just like, I don't know, stuff like that. You have people that believe in you and support you and it just makes you want to work that much harder. And it was, I mean, I think I got over 200 rejection, uh, just knows whether it was like an accelerator or an investor or, I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me my idea. I was just stupid. From what angle, like if you're pitching to investors, like did your angle change or like how is it different so that you could really pull in these most likely men in the room? Were you ever pitching to women? Is it also a question? That's, those are great questions. So I thought for sure that like getting up there and telling my story about like going through cancer and realizing how like female sexuality is like so like overlooked in the marketplace and like I, I thought that like the women would be the ones that would be like, oh my God, yeah, we totally get it. Like we're the, we're the target consumer. And the female investor group was actually the group that judged me the most, which was really disappointing huh. because there, a lot of them are older. A lot of them are former Wall Street women right. who had careers in finance and banking. And to them, I think they would look at me and say like, we've worked so hard to get to where we are and you're undoing all of it with this sex business that you're trying to promote. And it was hard because to me, I'm like, no, this is like the next phase of feminism. This is the next, like, mm. this is what like the evolution of like female owned and operated and like entrepreneurship and leadership looks like. But it was a lot of the female funds that wouldn't take it, wouldn't even take a meeting with me. Like just categorically were like, this is too taboo. We don't want to touch it. Like this is trashy and we don't want to be affiliated. And it was just like, okay. So yeah, ended up raising venture funding from an amazing uh, lead investor, Paige Craig out of Arena Ventures, sat down with me. He's an incredible human. Like his personal story is crazy. He He's really impressive. He has like was in the military and like sold his company and then was like an early investor in some amazing companies. And I remember I sat down with him for coffee for this meeting. And he's a very like intimidating person. He's like, the nicest, most amazing guy ever. But like when you first sit, I first sat down with him and I was so nervous. I was sweating so badly. And I was just like, I texted my co-founder 10 minutes in and I was like, he hates me. I was like, this is a disaster. He's never going to invest. This isn't going to happen. And then I just kept talking to him and like, I really, we have this very similar background and coming from like really like lower class, middle back, middle like class families and like working our way to get to where we had gotten. And a lot of times you don't see that in Silicon Valley. And like, I think he saw a little bit of himself in me and was just like, I'm going to give you a shot. Like, let's, let's do the deal. So at that point we were also generating a ton of revenue and it blew my mind because I would go to these accelerator like interviews and I'd be sitting next to bros who had like a pre beta app idea that hadn't even launched yet. And I'm like, hi, yeah, we're generating millions in revenue. Like, like why are you not letting us into this program? Like, People were just, it was, I don't know, it was, it was the whole fundraising thing totally changed my perspective of like how insular the startup world is and how like it is just a network that you have to break into. And it's really hard to break into that network if, if you don't come from it or aren't a part of it already. 
did you just cold call people? Like it takes some balls to like meet with some dude at an investor agency and like pitch your company to ask for money. Like that, honestly, few things scare me, but having one of those conversations would be terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I, so the cold emails didn't work. Like they just, I just wouldn't get responses. And so I was just actually talking to my best friend about this this morning. We were talking about how good we are at stalking people and like how it actually, it, it yields really good tangible results. So like I would get on face, I would find like the venture capital company that I would want to meet that was like specific for direct to consumer. So to answer your earlier question, because our business pitch did evolve over time. And I really, we really wanted to focus on selling direct to consumer and cutting out distributors because distributors in our industry take a 40% cut. So it artificially inflates the prices. Similar like what Casper Warby Parker did, where they just cut out the middleman. So I would go out and try to find like who are who are the great venture capital companies that had backed like all these amazing brands, and and then I'd try to see if I had any mutual friends or any like second degree connections on like LinkedIn, and then I would reach out to those people to ask for an intro, and like sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, but usually if you can get somebody who knows someone, they'll at least give you fifteen minutes of their time. And then I just got really good at pitching. Like mm-hmm. I would wake up every single day and in the mirror, literally I'd practice pitching because it's so intimidating and you have to like, you get 15 minutes to like get someone to like believe in you, believe in your company and not think what you, that like selling vibrators is weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're taking notes here, girl. That's I'll amazing. Do that. um, uh, but I love what I love about Unbound is that like you're kind of taking that pornographic filter out of like this whole industry of vibrators and lubricants and, and toys and all of that. Like it's, it's cool. It's relatable. It's like anyone can, can buy it. Like, I I don't know. I think there's like this like stigma that is so attached to that industry, like we were talking about, but I just love that you've like created this aesthetic and this brand that people are really relating to you. Like, do you find that with like your customer base? Like, are you, are you reaching people? Are you getting like mail saying like, wow, I tried this. Me and my husband like bought the, got the box every, you know, what are, what's the feedback been like? Cause I just think it's from my perspective, I feel like you're reaching so many more people than like the average, you know, sex toy company. Yeah. I think the feedback we get is really positive. I, to me, I never understood why it was like, let's put a woman in four inch heels and like some like lingerie and like throw that on our website. It just seemed so like gratuitous. Like, I just think that human sexuality is this thing that affects everyone. And so we we have to like do better. And I think like, if you can just present products in a way where they're not so scary, I think sexuality requires us all to be vulnerable. And I think being vulnerable Mm -hmm. is really, really hard. And I think if you go to a website and you see a bunch of women that like are beautiful and have perfect bodies and all that stuff, it's like, I mean, I know that I know how I feel when I see them and I'm like, I don't look that way. So I probably shouldn't be shopping in this category. And I think that's silly. Am I sexy? Like, am I not sexy? Because I don't look the way that they do. Right. And the other thing that's really fascinating is that like, we have a less than 1% return rate. So it's not like the products work. People love them. They make their lives tangibly better the biggest hurdle we have to overcome as a brand is how do we give women permission to buy them? Because I think a lot of women 
if they've never owned a vibrator, just assume, oh, that's not for me. Because if you've never used one or if you don't own one, like it's really hard to give yourself permission to want to try it. And so that's the thing we constantly think about as a company and as a brand is like, how do we let women know that it's like totally okay to shop in this category and it doesn't make you weird? It's not bad. It's like a good thing. So yeah, I think it's interesting that that's, that that's our biggest hurdle. So crazy that we live in such a like patriarchal society where like we have these like old ideals of the way sex should be and that women like shame other women who are embrace their sexuality and like shun them. And like that we still believe that sex is this like myopic one way of being. So like the sex is big boobs, lingerie, heels, whatever. And it's led by men and it's only okay to use dildos and vibrators when it's a man's idea. And if a woman chooses to like empower herself um, and her sexuality by buying these things, she's seen as like promiscuous and it's like seen in a negative light. You know, it's just, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like crazy what you're doing, like breaking barriers in that way. And I love like that unbound more is more so a wellness company. You know what I mean? Like part of being well and like the holistic and holistic health is like having a healthy sex life. Like it's not weird. It's not bad. It's, it's normal, whether it's with yourself or with, you know, a partner consistently or inconsistently. It's like, that's part of like loving your body and like in spirituality in a spirituality sense, like of all the chakras, like having a like healthy root chakra and connecting with yourself in that way is like an ultimate form of pleasure, which is like what we're on earth to do. You're very, very wise. I can't believe, I mean, this is crazy. I like just, I'm like, I've seen like the light of like what you're doing and it's, um, it's crazy. So I want to talk about starting your own business and, and some of like the challenges that you've had to overcome. Cause I know people will be inspired to, you know, to maybe start their own business or something like that. So I'd love to talk about anything, any challenges you've had since starting Unbound. Oh my gosh. There's so many. It's so lonely. I don't think anyone tells you how lonely it Damn, is. That's like, so true. It's so hard to do something on your own and like there's, and, and even just like, you know, having someone to get feedback, like, like, Hey, can you read this email? Like, does it sound stupid? Like stuff like that. It's, it's really lonely. It's really hard. And so I think one of the things that I did that was the most instrumental was starting the women of sex tech, which is this group of female founders in the space, because we also got a lot of just like judgment and stigma for the, for the industry, like couldn't open a checking account, couldn't, couldn't get Stripe as a payment processor, couldn't, Oh, categorically because of the industry. They were just like, we don't work with really companies. Wait, is that legal? Yeah, it's totally legal. Like even what? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's really interesting, right? Because like I was listening to NBR the other day and they were doing this story on how PayPal and Airbnb and a couple of these startups are denying the Nazis and white supremacists access to use their website, which we're all like, yeah, go, go Airbnb, go whatever. Like, like, like tell those Nazis, which like, yeah, nobody, nobody wants to do business with those guys. Like they're awful. But at the same time, it's kind of like, we forget that the companies get to deny our company, they don't have to do business with us because yeah, like, like, they can make that judgment call. Like Chick-fil-A being closed on Sundays. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I think about. Exactly. <laughs> we ran into so many barriers, but I think having like that community of other female founders to just like 
sometimes commiserate with, sometimes inspire you, sometimes just be your friend because like it's a it's a you know you're working long hours and your personal life kind of takes a little bit of a dive and it it can get lonely and it can get overwhelming and like there are so many people that as your business grows that are like depending on you and looking to you for like all the answers all the time and sometimes you're just like I don't have all the answers like I I'm figuring this out as I go and I've never done this before and I think sometimes that's really scary. And so having a group of women that like are also going through that is really powerful, which is kind of why I just believe so much in sisterhood. I believe so much in feminism. I believe so much in in women supporting other women. Like I spend my weekends just talking to other startup founders because I want to help them with what they're working on. Mm-hmm just the other day in the Facebook group, just a side story, but related to Unbound, we had, we were talking about Unbound. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Like I, I, I like sharing kind of like my experience with whatever it is, my sexuality, toys, whatever it is, because I honestly think like, I almost see and feel like the release in, in the judgment. Like if I'm talking to someone and the girls are just talking about like, Oh yeah. Like I've been thinking about getting a vibrator or, Oh yeah. Like I, I kind of want a new one. I want to explore this. Like they were being so open and it made me so happy. Like mm-hmm. I just, I think the more we talk about it and the more we connect and just like you with the women in sex tech, just like having that conversation be ongoing and how to reach more women, I think is so important, but just giving each other permission, like, Hey, I'm not like, this is like judgment free zone. This is like something we should be connecting on. It doesn't mean like we're, you know, gross or like bad people, you know, I just, and just to see it in our, in our Facebook group is kind of cool to see them like open up about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I always, I would always tell investors like, when, like it's it's unfortunate that it's the world we live in, but really women are just looking for permission. Mm, and yeah. I think we we can all give that to each other, and we can all. It takes it. That's a, that great. That's amazing that you do that because it takes a lot of bravery to be like, I use this, and I don't think it's weird, and like it makes me happy, and it you know like it takes a lot of 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 guts to be the person to raise your hand and be like yeah, like that's me. Like, and, and then you give so many other women permission to have that, to have that experience themselves, which is so powerful. What's so interesting is that the women are like just waiting to say yes. Right. Like they're kind of like, okay, like I can do it. And it's so funny. My experience with men, if like they know I have a vibrator or whatever it is, they're like, wait, what you have a vibrator. So it's like, one, the thought is, oh, I'm not good enough. Or two, that, oh, do you like do other things that are kind of like promiscuous or whatever they think it is? I I, I actually like, so I got the vac- vacation box from Unbound and um, I had like the like travel size lube, whatever. Uh, I was in New York. And anyway, so I freaked out this person because I brought out some lube. Like, it was like, wait. she's prepared? Like, it was the funniest shit. And I adore him, so it's fine. Like, whatever. It's like, it was the funniest. You're like, it was my dad. He's like, he's like, what is that? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, by the way, it's organic and all natural. But anyway, yes. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, this is going to make it so much 
better. Like, welcome, bitch. Yeah. Like, it was just so funny. Like, he was fine after a second, but it was like, it freaked him out. I was like, wait, what is going on? Like, I, I just, it blew my mind. And I, you know, I have to have patience with people kind of catching on, I guess. But I also need to just, like, stand in my truth of, like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, I... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Do you know? But... Yeah. No, I've been there. One time I was talking with a guy and I, like, went to the bathroom to, like, get the lube that I had brought. And, like... And I was... I don't know why, but I was, like, kind of embarrassed to be, like... I Like, I, it makes sex better. And then I accidentally dropped it. And it was, like, in this glass vial. And it shattered everywhere. Oh, no. And he's, like... And he's, like, what are you doing in there? And then I was, like, oh, I don't want to tell him that I just shattered lube all over his bathroom. <laughs> so then I had perfume in my purse. And I took it and I smashed it. And I was, like, oh, I just... <laughs> Drop this. Oh curfew. my god. You're such a troublemaker, girl. <laughs> you have like blood all over your hands. You're like, I just yeah. smashed this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just been like, sorry, I dropped this like vial of lube and now it's oh on my, the floor. I but mean, I'm, oh my god. Uh, but it's, it's sometimes it's hard. Like it takes so much bravery to, to it does to, to just be like, yeah, man, like lube's great. Like we're using it. Yep. Yeah. I guess it comes with, like, being comfortable with someone, too. I mean, I remember, like, yeah. long-term relationships. Like, we would bring in some, like, cool, fun, weird stuff, you know? And I think it does take, like, a little bit of time, especially for men, because they just, like, automatically assume that we're doing this with, like, 12 other guys, mm-hmm. I think. I think they're just assuming that we're being kind of, like, fun and promiscuous with a lot of people. That's why we have toys and lube. Like, no. Totally. I'm doing it for, like, for myself. I'm trying to think, actually. like, in, like, standard— I wouldn't really know, but, like, in standard American porn right now today, like, I don't think they use toys, right? So most dudes that are watching porn probably aren't watching porn that I mean, involves they use, toys. Like, dildos, I think. Yeah, maybe. Like, but it has to look like a dick, and they're, yeah. like, violently shoving it up someone's vagina. Yeah, or they're just fucking them, right? I don't know. But, like, I don't think... Because that's more focused on, like, women enjoying it rather than, like, the men, you know what I mean, enjoying it. That's so true. Which is the thing. Okay, this is blowing my mind. So, (laughs) we talked about the difficulties of starting a job. What's the best part of owning owning your own company? The best part for me is like having a like place where women get to come to work and like love what they do. Like the fact that I think now we're a team of 12 to 13 people full time. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's amazing to just be able to see other women grow in their positions. We also have amazing, three amazing men that work at our company and they're fantastic. But like, it's, it's really magical to be a part of like women who all like, it's kind of scary and mind-blowing sometimes. Like, um, I'll talk to Sarah Jane and I were talking about it just the other day because, like, we'll go to events and people will be like, I love Unbound. And I'm like, you do? Like, because it's just, like, it's for so long been this just little thing that's, like, that we had and that was weird and, like, we thought it was weird, but, like, we loved it. And then, like, other people started to love it and you're just like, oh, my God, like, other people believe in this too. I'm not the only person who thinks this is important. And I think being on a team of women who are all like really sex positive, but also really professional and like brilliant is the best part about like having a company and, and running a company. And also like, I just think mentoring and like the, the startup community of female founders is so like inspirational. And I just wanted, I wanted to get better. Cause I, I do think that like women need to do a better job of like, helping other women like once they get to their you know like like once you've raised funding it is your 
it is your responsibility to help other women do the same because that's, that's how you change the narrative. Like the fact that only 5% of venture funding goes to women, 5% wow. is Whoa. appalling. Wow. Only 17% of startups have a female founder. Like it's like that narrative has to change. There have to, there have to be more women that are raising funding and are leading businesses. If if that's what women want. Like I just, yeah, I yeah. think it's, I know what you mean. I just got chills. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing is it's like, it, we're not like trying to take over. You know, we're not trying to like take away from like men getting funding, but 5% is like, that's fucked up. That that grosses me out, to be completely honest. I don't know if women, are women not asking for it, do you think? Or what, like, I guess like, I wonder what's the percentage of women that actually ask for funding and get denied versus men that ask for funding and get denied? I mean, I think fundraising in general is hard. And I think that there are less female founders than there are male founders. But I also think that with investing, because because money is like, it's such a like difficult thing to get. Because you're, you're effectively giving it to a stranger, right? And so w- there's so many like biases that are built into that process where people identify with like totally, you know, not maliciously and not consciously with, with people that look like them and people that like, it's like, Oh, like, you're like you're like me. So I'm going to support you. And so I think it just takes men like really takes having one more female investors. Cause there are an abysmal amount of like, they're like no women, like I think less than 10% of VC partners are women. And I can see why, because like, the stuff that some of these like VC guys say to you and your fundraising is like in literally insane. Like it is such a sexist environment. So I can see why there aren't a lot of female venture partners, but yeah, it's just like, it's brutal. I can't tell you. It's also like weird because you like meet with them one-on-one and it feels like a date. Like, Ew, it just yeah. Does. That's what I would be thinking about too. Cause so, like you're meeting at a restaurant and yeah. like Ugh. at 7 PM and it's just like, it's, it's awkward. Yeah. And I'm sure it is for them too. Like, I remember I met, I met Paige, um, like, like I met him for coffee in the morning and he likes to do deals really quickly. So he's like, uh, come back this evening. Like, like, let's, let's come, come back with your co-founder. Like, let's all meet, like, let's all talk about this. And so I came back that evening to meet him in the same like restaurant to like talk through the deal some more. And we're like both standing at the hostess stand and the like hostess, you know, to no fault of her own, just assumed I was his wife and was like, Oh, Mr. And Mrs. Oh, Craig. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I was like, I'm not, I'm not his wife. Like I'm not his wife. Like, and, it, and it's just like, that's no one's fault, but it's just like, it makes it so awkward yeah. because it's just, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. It's we need to, I wanted to come to New York and see the office. Oh I just want to yeah. ask a few yeah. like lightning questions about unbound products for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So favorite for, if someone has never used a toy before, what was that? What would be the toy you'd recommend to them? If they are willing to spend a little bit at my all time favorite is the middle amount. Okay. I can send you guys the minute. We're actually like, well, to, to we're cu- we're coming out with three vibrators uh, in like two months. Those are the ones I would definitely recommend. But the middle Limon is my favorite. The harder you squeeze it, the harder it vibrates. It looks like like a lemon, literally. It's oh yeah, I saw that. So amazing. Yeah. The tech, it's like it's, it's so like a cute. rumbly. It's yeah, it's really good. And I like like the vibrators that are a little more like rumbly versus mm-hmm. you'll get some that like 
have like a high intensity. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's weird though. Cause like, I never knew that there was a difference when I first got into this industry. I was like, whatever they all just buy weight. Aren't they all the same? And they're actually very different. And mm-hmm. then people are also obsessed with the womanizer, which is like a suction based technology. The name is horrific. Like, I don't know. I, I like, it's owned by like this German guy. And I'm just like, dude, why would you Wait, name it this? Yeah. Like <laughs> the womanizer, but people go like lose their shit over it. Like really? it's really the technology is insane. Cause it's like, it's like this suction little thing. It's, Fuck it's yeah. a lot. It's, we'll put it in the show cool. notes. Okay. <laughs> last other question. What's good for, what's something that couples can use? There are a lot. I mean, there's a couple's vibrators. They're like, cock rings are really popular which mm-hmm. basically like like cuts not cuts off but like it, <laughs> cuts I guess off kind, kind of, of. <laughs> kind of cuts well, off the it, dick. It, it does yeah it just you just you know um you know it cuts off some of the circulation which allows him to last longer uh and have more huh. intense orgasms yeah and then you can get like vibrating cock rings which are fun i just think lube's amazing i think everyone should use lube yeah. all the time it makes everything so much better so, and yeah. your favorite box. My favorite box. I do love the beginner's box because it has the minimal amount, which is my favorite. And then it also has these hanky pankies that are like one just like a regular like thong, and then one's a crotchless thong, which is like kind of, I don't know, they're like, it's kind of little, it's like spice, spicy I and love, fun. I love um, some crotchless ones. Yeah. If you can take a step out of like the undressing process and just let me leave yeah. my hanky pankies on, I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's so fun. Okay, so we well, our group is already so obsessed with Unbound, but our listeners can go to unboundbox.com, um, unboundbox on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And what are you most excited about in the next year? For oh, Unbound? coming out with these vibrators. Yeah. And I'm so excited for what we named them. They're called Squish, Bean, <laughs> and Zip. And the lubricant's called Jelly, so that you can get be- Bean is like uh, a clit vibe, and so you can get like Jelly and Bean together because they're Aww. it's like a water based lubricant, so mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't have like if you have silicone, if you have a silicone lubricant, you shouldn't use it with a silicone product because it will like erode away. It just will kill your vibrator. So mm. good, good to know. Good fun fact. But yeah, I'm really excited to come out with these products because. I've been doing this for like two and a half, three years. And it's really annoying to see sometimes how, where the products are priced because I know the cost of goods sold. Like I know how much it costs to manufacture it. And I'm kind of like, this should not cost like a hundred and $50. Like that's, that's silly. So we're coming out with a line that like the focus is on medical grade, body safe, high quality, but at a price point that like is much more reasonable. At a price point that anyone can enjoy. (laughs) Right. right? I'm excited about you coming to our event. Yeah, we're so... Yes, me too. I can't wait. I'll answer for you. Um, So October October 14th, 3 to 7 um, in Venice, California. We're having an event. Can we say sex, love, and other things event? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're so excited. So Polly's so going to be speaking there. We're going to have some unbound products. We're going to have some other amazing speakers. It is going to be an afternoon of the ages. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It'll um, be so fun. Can't wait to hang out so with you. Fun, yeah. Can't wait to meet um, Polly. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you both so much. Yeah, we love you. And um, we you guys are the best. Oh, You're the best. You are. The I want to pick your brain later. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to come hang out at Unbound offices. Mm-hmm. I would love to like work yeah, at the Unbound offices. Should. Yeah. 
It's really fun. Next time we're in New York for sure. Love that. Awesome, girl. We'll have a great Saturday. We'll see you soon. One month, a month and a half. Uh, I can't (laughs) wait. Thank you so much. Bye, girl. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, we hope you loved that episode. Thanks so much to everyone who has been writing really, really kind, amazing reviews on iTunes. If you haven't rated and reviewed on iTunes, it only takes two minutes. We would love for you to review. Um, It helps us to bring on more incredible guests and have uh, amazing sponsors to share with you. So please do that on iTunes. And if you haven't already, go to our patreon.com slash almost 30 website and you can donate a few bucks a month to get rad rewards, whether it's an almost 30 dad hat or extra episodes and much, much more. It's so much fun. We love you guys on there. Thank you so much for your donations if you've donated. And finally, a few thank yous. Um, This podcast is not just Kristen and I sitting here working on it. We have a team of angels that are working hard to bring you the best content every week. Um, So we would love to shout out podcastmasters.net. Cody and his team are rock stars. They are so efficient. They bring ideas to the table. They want us to have the best podcast possible and they do everything in their power to make it so, so good. So thank you guys. Please visit their website, podcastmasters.net. And we would love to shout out Chloe Money. Chloe is our producer at Almost 30. She does everything and we honestly wouldn't be where we are without her. Um, She is a creative. She makes us laugh every day. So thank you, Chloe. We love you. We love you. And to all those helping us and messaging us and, and sending us suggestions and inspiration and just sending us good energy, we love you. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys.